0: Welcome into the StoryCraft Cafe Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. We have a fantastic interview today with the Longmire Mystery Series author Craig Johnson. Maybe you've read the books. Maybe you've seen the TV show on Netflix, whatever it is. This is the 19th edition of the Longmire Series novels. And Craig drops by today. He had a very busy day before heading out on book tour, but he stopped by long enough to talk to us a little bit about Longmire, writing the modern western, and what it means to write a series for this long. Hang on tight and join us as we talk with Craig. Thanks, as always, to Dabble for making the Storycraft Cafe and the Storycraft Cafe podcast possible. Join them over at Dabble Writer. W-R-I-T-E-R.com and get started today with the very best software for writing novels. You'll, you'll love trying Dabble and Dabble will help you unlock your potential as a novelist and we are live here in the Storycraft cafe i am your host hank garner as always and today i have one of my favorite people on the earth not just a favorite writer of mine but uh, a fellow that i've uh loved getting to know over the last few years craig johnson you probably know him as the author of the walt longmire mystery series and now we're up to 19 books in the series craig holy cow how did that happen
1: you know, I wish I knew. Like, it just seems like I blinked and there were twenty books. Like, it's kind right. of amazing. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways, because people ask me about the numbers and all that, and it really doesn't make that much of a connection for me. Like, I guess because in many ways, the way I look at the books is, is it's all just one big book. It's all just one big story. And yeah. you know, for me, it's kind of essential. Like, that, that there be an intertwining aspect, you know, to all the books that they reconnect, you know, with each other, so that they're part. The Longmire defense, of the new book that go harken all the way back, you know, to the Cold Dish, you know, the very first book, right. book that I wrote twenty years ago, and I'm I'm hoping that they'll both connect, you know, to the book that I'm going to write twenty or thirty years from now. I I want it to be just a, a continual tapestry of Walt's life, like it all kind of interconnected, that which is kind of explains this book to a certain extent because we kind of circle back around to learn about Walt's uh, grandfather and the relationship that he had with him and um, some of these crimes that happened back in the late '40s and. And it's kind of interesting for me like I have to c- cover some of that ground again.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you used the word tapestry because uh, I was thinking in those terms. Um, a- as I started kind of mulling over what you know after I read the book and then got to kind of mulling over what we would talk about and I, I think anyone who writes a a long running series um people tend to think well how do you keep coming up with ideas for for this character and and really one thing that i love about the way that you've handled uh walt and his whole cast of characters is that it's not a moment in time moving forward it, it's not a linear but you really you, you really tell us stories about this character Like a tapestry. It's it's this whole cast of characters. And it's, uh, you know, this thing that we learn about has been affected by this thing in the past will affect things in the future. And it. You know, the, the, it's it's not a it's not a linear thing when you're when you've got this cast of characters like that. Are are you constantly thinking in those terms like, you know, well, Walt has is confronted with this. What about his past has prepared him for this or has prepared him in, you know, in ill you know manner for this? Or, you know, do, do, do you think in those terms
1: Oh, absolutely! Like, I mean, simply because that's the way we we deal with our lives. I mean, it's very right. difficult to live your life and not think about, you know, what it is that's in the past that's informed you, or the things in the future which are going to be a challenge for you. Like, and it was interesting that the term that you used just now, like that, what is the things that have prepared you, you know, for right. what it is you're dealing with here, like that. And one of the main motifs, like that, that runs all the way through the Longmire defense is the chess game, you know, that Walt and his grandfather play. I mean, in many ways. That's the only place where they could meet on even ground, you know, where they could like look at each other and be on an equal footing. And in many ways, you know what, you know, Walt's grandfather is attempting to do is try and train his, his grandson how to think, you know, how to think like, you know, past just you know, reacting to what's happening to you. Be able to see what's happening in the next move and the next move and the next move and be able to play your life one light ahead, which kind of prepares him in many ways to be, you know, the world class detective that he becomes like uh, he starts being able to see those things before they happen and uh, also being able to look back and discern what it is that made for this situation. So that's very, very acute. As a matter of fact, you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as that's concerned.
0: Yeah. Um, and one thing that, that I love when a new Longmire book comes out is, uh, are the titles, um, because you love to play with double entendre and, um, you know, in On the surface, when I first saw the book, I was like, oh, what what is what is Walt having to defend himself against? Um, You know, that's the first reaction. And then you start you start realizing that you're you are maybe talking in chess terms. And then that that's a whole other aspect. And throughout the book, you you kind of play back and forth with these double entendre. And of course, on on the nose, we've got, you know, his grandfather teaching him about chess and there's the Longmire defense. But then there's also uh, Walt is uh, constantly having to uh, and and I, I don't mean this, that that Walt is always on the defense, but 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 he's he holds himself to a higher standard, and I think he does care what people think about him, even even if he doesn't come across that way. So there's there's also this this sense of protecting uh, his legacy, if you will, and his familial legacy. Um, you know when when does the title come to you? First off.
1: Well, I mean, it's always like that. You know, you think you have a title, but sometimes it can change because the book changes. Sure. Um, yeah. But also in response to what you were saying there, too, like that, I mean, you know, for Walt to be defending himself a little bit like in some ways, Walt is a little bit in the wrong. Um, In this book, because, you know, I mean, I like to think of Walt as the most ecumenical, fair minded, you know, investigator on the face of the earth. He's a very much believer in innocent until proven guilty. But with that past relationship that he has with his grandfather, it's almost as if he's rooting for his grandfather to be guilty um, of a most heinous crime. Like that's the investigation of the book. and so it, it kind of puts him on you know thin ice a little bit like that, and it's interesting to see how an awful lot of people in the community who actually knew Lloyd Longmire, the older members of the community, like that, you know, maybe knew him a little bit better than Walt knew him. Um, you know, he, he's constantly happening to defend this investigation that he's mounting, and uh, for me that was fun to put Walt in that kind of a situation because it's not a place that he's been for the last nineteen books.
0: Right, right. Uh, another thing that I love when. I- new Longmire book comes out is, uh, are, are we going to, um, are we going to be in Wyoming or are we going to travel a bit? Is this going to be a, and I, I read somewhere you had, um, you had referenced like a, like a, a, a professional ball team where you have at home games and travel games. And I was like, that's exactly what, what you have done with this series. And, you know, sometimes we're at home, sometimes we're traveling. Um, but by doing that, um, you know, you you never you know. It's kind of if we go back to what we were talking about earlier the 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 way people think that a book series goes linearly, um, and but by doing that, you allow us to uh, to see things, uh, different things, to see how aspects of Walt's character will play out because of these new uh, characters and new situations, and and like the last book, you know we. We take a major trip, you know, and, uh, (laughs) you know, and everything that 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 word uh, entails. Um, How do you start thinking about when when it's time for a new book and you're planning that where the setting is going to take place and how that setting is going to affect the story that you're going to tell?
1: Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And of course, you know, you have to look back at the mechanics of this type of thing like that. Whenever I was starting to write the books like that, um, you know, it, it, everything in, in crime fiction at that point in time was very much noir. It was all like, you know, uh, gritty, dirty, you know, uh, 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 detectives burying bodies in their backyards, that type of thing. And so I thought, OK, well, what if you did the sheriff of the least populated county in the least populated state? That would be something different, wouldn't it? Well, I didn't take into consideration how many people can you kill in the least least populated county in the least populated state before before it becomes <laughs> okay. kind of ludicrous. Again. And so, right. very rapidly, I came to the conclusion that, you know what, Walt's going to have to be like a ball team and like play some away games here. Yeah. Because, uh, and the other thing is, is like the element for that was that, you know, have you ever noticed that in a lot of these novels, the character will do the most amazing job, um, you know, just crack this incredibly complex case look at, and bring heavy hitters down like that and do this amazing job. And And then the next novel comes out and nobody remembers they did that. Well, well, that's not the way it works. Like it's certainly not in that that, that form of business. Like if you develop a reputation as being someone who is extraordinarily capable and extraordinarily able, like you know, to do this, well, then people are going to come knocking on your door. You're going to get some phone calls that say, Hey, I've got this case that's got me baffled. And I was wondering if you would be willing to come by and and maybe take a look at this and see what you could do with it. Like that. And so that gave me the opportunity to kind Kind of like move Walt around, you know, geographically, emotionally, intellectually, all those kind of things. And that's kind of important, I think, also in a series simply because, you know, Westerners in the West, that's one thing. But Westerners in the context of, say, Philadelphia, right. or Vietnam in 1968, or, you know, at Soroka County when you're six years old, you know, I mean, these are very, very different environs like that, and that can be very informative of the character and tell you you things about them that you normally would never come to, um, when they're in their comfort zone and in their, their usual environment.
0: it's, it's kind of like the, the Jessica Fletcher problem, you know, with murder, (laughs) she wrote, how many dead bodies can you stack up in this little town in Maine?
1: Exactly. (laughs) Like, you know, and so, and that's, that's why it's also fun, like, to kind of escape, like, in different situations, like, and find different points in Walt's history where we find a, a crime or a clue to something that happened it was very informative of him. Now, the trick with that, of course, is, is that if you're going to write one of those type of books, a cold case type book, yeah. the key element there is, is there has to be some sort of like modern day connection or else you're, you're basically writing a research book is what you're doing. And you're, your your primary character is going to spend all their time at the library or in front of a computer or, you know, all this. But there's no real threat to them personally. Like and so I think, you know, with this one, um, with the financial aspects, the you know, the, the permanent wealth, you know, mineral index fund, like that, that, you know, things kind of get a little bit heated when wall starts discovering things that a lot of people would rather have, you know, swept into the rug and nobody ever find out about.
0: Right. You know, the, uh, one of the, the things about, uh, one of the uh, the things that people love about a small town is the close community and and the fact that you know your neighbors and they they become like family and that's also one of the detriments of a small community is that everybody knows your business and everybody knows everybody's business Absolutely. and and therein uh, lie mysteries, right?
1: Absolutely. And and then the other thing is, is a lot of people think they know uh, the backstory right. of these situations like that. Whereas there might have been a little bit more to it than anybody might have suspected. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite scenes in the entire book, like it's the one where Lucian Connolly, you know, makes Walt stop the truck and they're standing there, you know, in the, you know, in the median of the highway, um, having this argument like that about, you know, who Walt's grandfather was and why he might have done the things that he did like that. And so you know, it, it's always interesting to me because you think, you know, people when you meet them, but you don't, you don't know right. who they were. You don't know who they're going to become. And so you're dealing with three different people is what you're dealing with, but you only get the one right now. And so to me, that's always you know, fun to find out and unearth some of that information and see just who they might've been. It might be of somebody completely different than what you might have suspected.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of those characters, one of the, uh, the greatest things about the series is this really rich cast of characters that you've created that surround Walt. Um, And and one interesting character that we learned about in this book is this childhood friend, uh, Ruth Oneheart. Where, Where did where did Ruth come from?
1: You know, uh, whenever I started like developing the idea of like you know this relationship between Walt and his grandfather and how that there was some sort of you know mystery you know to his family, there were things that he did not know, um, but had been intimated you know by his grandfather and in his dealings with him, um, I knew that those things were going to have to come out. We were going to have to find right. out about those things at some point in time. It was just a question of like when are we going to get the storyline that's going to give us the uh, the ability to to, to believably. You know, find out about those things like that, and then how much does anybody know? How much does anybody not know like that? And uh, so for me, that was you know an opportunity to bring ruthless, as Walt you know sometimes refers to her, one um, <laughs> hard back into play like that. And uh, there were some things that she knew, some things that she knew about Walt's you know family that uh, <coughs> that uh, maybe had not been you know brought to the surface yet. Like and so that made her a very important character in Walt's history. The other thing is, is we only get a little glimpses of Walt's childhood. Right. Um, we've gotten like little glimpses of like, you know, his adulthood or his, uh, his, his, his experiences in Vietnam and okay? a lot of other different things like that, but uh, not too much from his childhood like that. And so whenever we find Ruth, um, she's the one that provides that that opportunity to discover what Walt was like, you know, as a child. Okay? And uh, once again, opportunities to see him like in a different environment, like that, in a di- very, very different world.
0: Well, and that's a great way to explore someone's past is through the relationships of these other characters, Um, because then you get the complexity of instead of just turning the camera, you know, to to them as a child, you're getting to see them through the eyes of someone else and through their perspectives. And then what did their experiences with? How did that affect this person? And then, you know, that that more layers to that tapestry we talked about.
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, I don't know why it is that more authors don't use it like that, but obviously it's one thing to hear characters sit and talk about their childhood or their relationships or whatever like that, but it's much better and much more graphic. It seems to me when we actually, you know, it's like when someone tells a good story, if somebody is telling a good story, you're there, you go back in time, like that, or back in a different place or whatever, you are in that place when someone tells you a good story. And so for me, one of the challenges, like i trying to tell the stories is being able to sweep you know the reader up like how to take them back to that point in time and have them have it be believable for them like that, that they've actually that they're they're now into in that in, into that little instance you know from the past you know and it it can be a great deal more revealing okay, for them when they read that i believe
0: yeah absolutely um when you when you start a new book, um, do you have research that you think ahead of time? OK, I, I need to learn about this. How does this actually work? And I would imagine uh, this deep into a series research probably gets a little easier. You probably have cultivated contacts. And how, how is that working for you? And, and how do you start thinking about the things that you will need to know before you start the writing?
1: Oh, I don't know if it gets easier like that, because, you know, the research is always different, you know, with each yeah. book, you're always delving into something completely different. Like and in, in this book, you know, for me, I was delving into the financial world, which, you know, probably the best indication I can give you of that is when Walt is trying to explain the, you know, the the permanent wealth mineral index fund, you know, to Ruby is dispatcher. <laughs> He's looking at him like, you don't even know how to balance your checkbook. What do you know about this stuff like that? And it was interesting. To me. Right. Like, and I thought, okay, I, you know, and, and you don't want to go overboard on this type of thing where, you know, you're burying you know, the poor reader yeah. with information. Like that. But to discover that, like, the state of Wyoming had $80 in the bank in 1968, you know, and that's where they had to come up with the permanent, you know, wealth index, you know, mineral fund. Um, that yeah. was an idea that they borrowed, I think, from Nevada or from Alaska, um, you know, just to, to remain solvent, like that. That was just an incredible thing for me to, to take into consideration, like that. And then to think, you know, how. How that fund works, how was it implemented, you know, and how could it possibly be abused, you know, in some ways, look at um, which made for that connection for Walt in the modern day where you know people are trying to hide not only millions but billions of dollars. Right. Right. And uh, boy, you know, you start talking, you know, what's the old statement? You know, a million here, a million there, priest soon you're talking about some serious money. Look at what well, you're also talking about a serious threat, you know, for yeah. people. Uh, you know, trying to keep that kind of information, you know, under the radar. <laughs>
0: Yeah, do you do you ever have times where um, where you learn a piece of information and that spawns uh, a plot point for a book? Uh, it,
1: oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, I mean, I tend to refer to it as the creek bed method of research. Like that, you know. And what I tend to do is I do a ton of reading, like that, for each yeah. book, usually about a year in advance, um, so that when I finish up with all of my research, I'm chomping at the bit, you know, to start writing that book. But I don't take a lot of notes, you know? So what I tend to do is, is what I remember is what needs to go in the book. It's kind of a synthesis or a filter, you know, to kind of get rid of a lot of the mass that we really don't need in the book. But whatever it is that sticks in my head, whatever it is that's a component that I think, hmm, that's really kind of interesting. Like, and that probably needs to be in the book. Okay, well, that's the shiny pebbles that are in the creek bed that you can still see on the surface. And those are the ones that need to go in.
0: Gotcha. Uh, we learn a lot about Walt's grandfather, Lloyd, uh, in this book. And it's interesting to get these glimpses of uh, of Walt looking back like we like we've talked about, but also how that mixes with Walt's relationships going forward. Uh, we've got Vic uh, who we've not talked about this time, but, you know, there's there's always um You know that that's always a great source of uh, of inspiration and uh, great plot fodder. You know, going forward, while also looking back, it's a really interesting um, dynamic that we explore in this book: Walt going forward and Walt looking back, almost at the same time, and how those two dynamics meet in the present. Yeah, um,
1: and and that relationship, you know, obviously between Walt and Vic, you know, has been, you know, kind of on again, off again in the back burner, right. the front burner, like you know, for what, like you know, nineteen years now, like, and so, uh, but in all actuality, since I write the books in kind of that Vivaldi, you know, Four Seasons format, so that it right. takes four books to get through one year of Walt's life, like, we're actually only five years, you know, uh, into their lives, like at this point in time, but even five years can be a long time for a relationship to develop like so it became time for you know some development along, along those lines like and I I think that I was true to that and I think that the the responses were pretty honest too like I don't want to give too much away as yep, as as yeah yeah like but there are some there seem to be some big changes on the horizon with these characters
0: <laughs> yeah um another interesting character that that uh, shows up in the book Trisha Knox um tell me about Trisha and and this Complicated uh, <laughs> issue that you know that arises in the book.
1: Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like that is, is that when you live in a in, a, in an area that's you know kind of known for its tourism, like if there are an awful lot of people, that are rushing to get from the Black Hills over to Yellowstone, like that here in Wyoming, and to do that, they have to go through the Bighorn Mountains, and sometimes that puts them, you know, in contact with the uh, the, the sheriff of Absaroka County, Walt Longmire, and so what that does is it kind of gives Walt an opportunity to respond and react and interact with, you know, characters that he may not run into in Absaroka County. It gives him the availability to get like, to stretch himself a little bit. Let's see, you know, you know where, where where those limitations are as far as how much responsibility he'll take for these different people. And Trisha Knox, like, with her car going off the road up there, you know, in the search and rescue mission up in the mountains, you know, is also almost one of the catalysts um, in getting this entire situation and this entire ball rolling in Longmire defense, um, but then her situation becomes much much more complex uh, as the as the storyline goes on. Um, I could go into more detail about that like that, but I also don't want to give too much away of as far as her plot points, you know, in the uh, in the yeah. storyline like that. But generally, people don't show up in my books just for no reason at all and then disappear. Generally, they're there for a reason. They're one of those shiny pebbles like that from the from the creek bed, like that. That uh, you have to pull. Up pull out of this out of the water
0: (laughs) (laughs) we we've talked in the past craig about uh, how much i loved the longmire television show that that began uh was it I can't remember what network it was on originally, but it wound up at Netflix. A and E. That's and then that was on the tip of my tongue, and I couldn't say it. Um, <laughs> and and I I try to for for people that have not seen the show uh, or not read the books or or one or the other, I try to tell them that they are. Um, connected but not the same uh Mm -hmm. they should be taken uh each for what they are they are they're very connected and i feel like the the tv show was very true to the books Mm -hmm. but not always and and not in a bad way but just different um and and the television show should be taken as a as a whole single thing i feel like it's a it's a complete story arc and it's satisfying to the end.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's an entity unto itself. It's uh, what, yes. I, what I describe it as two separate, but equal universes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's yeah. kind of difficult, you know, in a 42 page teleplay. I mean, one of the first meetings that I had with the producers, they said, your books don't break down into a 42 page teleplay. And I was like, thank goodness. <laughs> right. they thank you. You reading them for goodness sake. Okay. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, what they did was kind of cherry pick, you know, and go through and yeah. take pieces, you know, from all the different books like, and, and then come up with their own story. Storylines like for that 42-minute format, which is perfectly reasonable. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. They say very, very true to the tone, to the feel and everything of the books. But I think in many ways, they also did me a, a miraculous favor by not slavishly following the books. Because whenever someone comes up to me and says, Well, I would read the books, but I don't have to because I've seen the TV show. And I'm like, right. Well, in all actuality, you've only scratched the surface, you know, of the iceberg. You need to go ahead and dive into the books, you know, if you really absolutely. love these this world jump in there like that and, and discover a whole new world as a matter of fact
0: yeah uh is there any temptation to to go back to the screen with uh with walt and company
1: oh yeah i mean you know we're here we're six years after you know the, they completed production of the last season six season, and uh we're still one of the top 10 to 20 shows on netflix every you know,
0: other amazing week.
1: And so the, the show seems to have like a longevity like at that. I don't know if Netflix or Warner Brothers actually thought that that was going to happen. But, you know, we're consistently hearing the stories about the potential for, you know, television movies, you know, more episodes and that type of thing like that. And I know that the actors are, you know, fully in in favor of like, you know, attempting yeah. to resurrect like that. And So it just, it may take a while for, you know, Warner Brothers to come around to that. Sure, There's nothing that you know, big corporations love better than making money by not doing I mean, nothing like that that's what, right. that's what right. um, so we'll
0: see what happens yeah. well the cast was absolutely perfect so i hope that that all that remains the same if possible you know <laughs> we're we're talking about we're talking about here well, so i'm not going so. to be, not gonna
1: be the one to tell him that, like that right. They're, they're right. pretty adamant about wanting to get back in there and doing it again right.
0: so the uh the new book the longmire defense number 19 in the longmire series uh is a big deal number coming up craig uh, have you started thinking about book 20 and are you in the process yet
1: I actually already turned that one in like that. I actually finished the first draft and actually turned it in like that. Um, just before, cause it's it, I generally don't get those done like that before I go out on tour like that, but this yeah. one, you know, wrote very, very quickly like that. And, uh, yeah. it's called first frost, first frost is the title okay? and, uh, yeah. where the title comes from is like whenever cowboys switch over from their yeah. straw hats over to their wool hats, like it's the first frost Right. and, um, what's happening in this particular book is the, the entirety of the book almost takes place back in 1963 and what happens is is Walt and Henry graduate from college and lose their deferment like that and are drafted you know into the military for the Vietnam War and so Henry has to uh, report to Fort Polk, Louisiana and Walt has to report to uh, Paris Island off South Carolina like that so it leads to this epic Route 66 road trip for two 22 year old Walt and Henry And uh, the question is, how far do they get before they get into trouble? And the answer is not very far at
0: all. Not very far, as we would expect. Well, what a perfect way to to cap twenty in a series than than uh, than that. Craig you're uh you love being from from Ucross Wyoming and your Twitter handle even is uh Ucross Pop 25 if I re- if I remember right, right. Uh, and for forever the population has been Ucross population 25 well I recently saw that it's now listed as population 26
1: we have jumped like uh, by one point. Like that. And personally, I think it's a scam like because I think it's just a way of the state of Wyoming to get some more money out of the federal government. If you have enough of a percentage of, of, of municipalities that go up in population, I think they get a little bit more money from the federal government. And as soon as they decided after 40 years that you know, UCROSS could go up by one, um, it, it set off a fervor here in UCROSS. Everybody was running around trying to figure out who had a baby, who moved in, you know, what happened. We can tell. Nothing. Okay. There's been absolutely no increase whatsoever, but we're now officially 26. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. You know, population's growing and, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be too big and I'll (laughs) have to go move somewhere else.
0: That's hilarious. That's hilarious. The Longmire Defense comes out September 5th, which is uh, when we're recording this. That's next Tuesday. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast channel, it, it will, uh, you can go to your local bookstore and go grab it today. Uh, We'll also put links to it where you can grab it from Amazon. Craig, always a pleasure to catch up. Uh, Book 19, Longmire Defense, amazing. Uh, Can't wait for book 20. Thank you, buddy.
1: Thank you, sir.
0: That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk to authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the Storycraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. The Storycraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging, your writing tool should not be. Dabble is an easy to use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at DabbleWriter.com and start your free trial today. Thanks for listening.